crime and violence. We all agree to do one thing. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talent, share our finances. But most of all, let's share our love. This is the female solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directed to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Anuhasel. In Russia, Zdrastuzje. In Germany, Guggenheim. In Poland, Yindore. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, hacen basada. In Ghana, aquava. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, salbona. In Senegal, nangade. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. What if you could live to be 120 years old and remain active, healthy, alert, and vibrant? Our bodies are made up of cells that are constantly rejuvenating. So if we take proper care of ourselves, we can literally defy aging. Join us every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time to learn about self-care from Susan Essentials on the Female Solution Blog Talk Radio Show. Learn how to help your body and yourself feel rejuvenated each day through proper nutrition, sleep, frequency medicine, and many unconventional methods of self-care. I'm Jody Susan. Join me and my amazing guests by calling in at 515 605-9325 605-9325 and press 1 to speak. We'll help you achieve a breakthrough in your health today. Well, grand rising, everybody, and welcome to the Female Solution Self-Cell Care. And, you know, every uh, Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, we, we bring you um, the latest and greatest of, of real health, and um, today is no different. Actually, let me reframe. Actually, today is very different because I have uh, Tom Whitmire here, a certified doula, and he um, blew me away 
um, about birth and pregnancy. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that I don't have kids. And when I was 13 years old um, and in high school, they showed us a movie about how children were born. And that was all I needed. <laughs> Just going to say now. All I needed was to see what they were doing in the emergency or the whatever room, the hospital. And I decided to opt out. Now I really know why I opted out. And without further ado, let me bring on Tom Whitmire. Grand Rising, how are you? Aloha. As, I guess as we say hello in Northern Michigan today, it's uh, aloha. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to have you here and to have you share um, about optimal birth and and the truth about pregnancy. Uh, the information you have is so profound. So what, where would you like to start? Um, I'll let you uh, run. I'll let you run with this. Go for it. Well, I'll start by saying this. Uh, I'm an activist and uh, towards the end of our talk. I'll tell you and the listeners a little bit more of what that means. Uh, the lady groundwork, I kind of say this is my other opening statement, um, that I believe birth is a natural process that sometimes happens medically, not a medical process that just sometimes happens naturally. Right. So today, I'm going to uh, tell everybody about birth. So the truth about birth, pregnancy, uh, fertility, and uh, it's not what you think, so it's going to be a, a wild ride. And for example, uh, you know, we have this you know, scene that you immediately put a hat on the baby and swaddle them up, and uh, we're going to look behind the scenes today and how that uh, might not be true. Okay, we'll take it. And, and we have Teddy June here, and she says, Dear Susan Essentials, you understand me, and, and actually Tom really does, but uh, my kiddo was born at home. Hospitals then were for the sick folks. Yeah, right? Yeah, okay, so take it away, Tom. Uh, I think it's very interesting in your introduction mm -hmm. that instead of saying delivery room, you said emergency room because every delivery room is set up as an emergency room. They're not set up to deliver a baby. They're not warm. They're not comforting. They don't have soft lights. They don't have, you know, salt lamps. They're not playing meditative music. The people aren't, you know, dressed in natural fibers or naked. They're set up as an emergency room. And that doctor that's in there delivering your baby, the OBGYN, they are, they are never trained how to deliver a baby. They're only trained what to do in case of emergency. So for them to feel comfortable, they need to take every birth and treat it as if it's an emergency, it's in this emergency room, and we have all this emergency equipment, as opposed to a midwife, a naturally trained midwife, who is trained on how to deliver a child and how to give birth, as opposed to just how to do interventions and you know, invasive medical treatments and to use technology that they've been trained. Everything's about chemicals and technology in the uh, standard birth in the hospital, as opposed to what a doula and a midwife may bring you at a home birth or in a birthing center. Well, so, right. And so that is my mindset because 
I mean, that's how it's been framed and programmed to me over my lifetime that, uh, you know, emergency, you see the guy driving the wife in the car an emergency to the hospital. He's passing by all the, you know, all the other cars, like almost killing his wife on the road, right? <laughs> because he's trying to get to the hospital when you can just have the baby at home. Yes. Right. And so, um, for me, and you have that thought. You have that thought in your mind because not millions, but billions of dollars have been spent by think tanks and boards and multinational corporations to put that in your mind of what you think birth should be about, to make you think that it's supposed to be about pain, that it's supposed to come sudden, that it's supposed to be about pain. And then you're supposed to be rushed to the hospital, put on an emergency room gurney, go through the emergency room entrance, be laid on your back and then rushed into this room so that they can hook you up. So that they're taking the birth process away from you. They're putting all of it back on the hospital, saying the hospital is in charge of your birth. You're no longer in charge of your birth. And they've done this by when, you know, friends, you know, Rachel gives birth on friends or whatever the next up-and-coming uh, show. 13 there, years it, old in high school, honey. 13 uh, years old in high school with the movie in class. Yeah. Really. I mean, that's where I saw it the first time. Yeah, I'm going to be 60, so that's, you know, going back a few years. Yeah, so they only show you the medical invasive birth with a woman on her back with her feet up in the air and the stirrups and the doctors on a stool looking in there. And so let me ask you a question. Why are, the, why are we making it so difficult for a woman to give birth? Why would you be on your back? Because they want you to ask for help. They don't want it to be easy. They need you to ask for the Pitocin. They need you to ask for the epidural. They want you to have a C-section because it's about a stream of revenue for them. And I and I will I'll jump in by saying this: the worst possible way for a woman to give birth is if she were hanging by her feet, completely vertical. The yeah. second worst way in the world is if she was laying on her back with her feet in the air. Yeah, my my horse gave birth, right? She didn't put her feet up in the air. No. <laughs> Thing, boom. An indigenous woman may just be walking down the road. She'll feel the baby come, and she just reaches down, squats knee to nipple, uh -huh. just like you're squatting in the field, and the baby can just come up. There's that's that's the process. If you go through, you know, if you prepare your body for nine months up to conception, and then you spend the next nine months on the proper nutrition, the proper supplements. You're, you know, getting rid of all the stressful situations and you're preparing your body for birth, mm -hmm. then it comes natural and it comes easy. But we have a system where they've used propaganda to tell the women, oh, you need to, you know, consume all these poisons. And the, the and my thing is that the birth is not about you. It's about the baby. So it doesn't like you may want to eat ice cream and sugar and cakes and donuts, but the birth's not about you. You need to do what's right for the baby. And why is sugar? I mean, well, actually, before we go to that, I mean, I know the answer to these things, of course, but, you know, I, I want to talk about stress for a moment, right? And cortisol levels. So if we're rushing someone to a hospital and we've got all these bright lights that are filled with electromagnetic frequencies that are 
chaotic frequencies, right? They're not, uh, they're not friendly frequencies. Um, how, I mean, I just think about the baby coming into the world under stress and producing a ton of cortisol, right? From the get go. Yeah. So the baby is under stress and the baby does not feel comfortable. And what they're blindsiding the baby with is they're taking away the baby's perception of the world immediately through their five senses. And they've also destroyed the mother connecting with the baby through the five senses. And a lot of the times they're telling the father that the father's not even allowed in the room. So what I would, I'm going to jump in right now to what I call the optimal hour. And yes. that's what you should do as soon as your baby is born. So we can come back to fertility and the conception process, but let's yes. just jump into it to give you an idea of how hijacked the system really is. Go for it. Thank you. As soon as the baby's born, that first hour, which I call the optimal hour, sets the tone for the next 18 years of that baby's life. So if you just spend one quality hour with that baby, you will have significantly less stress and more enjoyable time with your baby throughout the next 18 years. And that's a very bold statement. And that's simply by doing things like not clamping the cord. So the umbilical cord after the baby's born still has 33% of the blood remaining in it. That's still supposed to move into the baby. That's where they're getting their oxygen. But the hospital's immediately gonna clamp that cord. So they use, if you wanna think of it as a clothespin, as soon as the baby comes out, they're gonna put a clothespin clamp to stop that fluid from cutting, and they're gonna cut that cord immediately. Okay, you know, you know I can't shut up anymore, I'm sorry. So the flow of oxygen, brain health, yeah. autism, I mean, that's immediately what I'm thinking. Autism, ADD, ADHD, uh, any brain health condition, depression, yeah, sure. anxiety. Well, there's nutrients in there. There's cells in there. The oxygen is in there. You know, the blood volume, all the minerals, the brain function, all of that is still in the cord after the baby is born. You have stem cells coming in there. Uh, that cord actually is what activates, you know, the blood to rush, which thus inflates the lungs, which encourages the baby to take their first uh, breath. And what we have is a world that completely clamps that blood, stopping all of those functions. And do you know why they clamp that blood? Well, I thought I did, but go ahead. <laughs> you see my face. I'm just, you know, I've already told everybody who, I, you know, I was inviting so many people to the show and I said, you know, I'm usually the disruptor. I said, but like meet Tom, <laughs> yeah. go for it. Uh, they're clamping that blood um, because it's worth money. So a umbilical cord can be sold for at least $40,000. So if they can clamp that cord with that blood in there, cut that umbilical cord immediately, then they can sell that umbilical cord and they're selling it to people for the stem cells. If you like, oh, get a stem cell replacement therapy, a lot of times that stem cell is coming from an umbilical cord because they clamped it. They didn't allow that to go to the baby. They're now selling it for countless amounts of money. They make cosmetics out of it. 
They make supplements out of it. They're just straight up using it in products. PepsiCo at one point owned a company that purchased baby umbilical cords. So that's one of the main reasons that they're um, stopping that blood from going in. The other reason is because they do not want your baby to be healthy. They want your baby to be dependent, a lifetime dependency on the American modern medical system and throughout the country. So if they can prevent the needed nutrients going into the baby at birth, then they're creating a lifetime customer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a lot of what the medical Western medical community does is um, with the intent of creating lifetime customers, right? Um, they, I mean, we'll get to the food supply in a bit, but uh, they feed you stuff that causes disease and then, you know, and then sells you the solution, yeah. right? And, and so um, when you wake up to that, <laughs> right? I mean, when you wake up to that, when you start looking at the revenue stream, um, you know, just don't vomit now. I'm, I'm holding back. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> so go yeah. ahead. So go ahead. So they're creating a lifetime customer to keep you, keep them dependent. Right. Um, and they're doing that by cutting off, you know, the antibodies, the immunity, the hormones, the enzymes, the stem cells, all that blood, all that oxygen that's coming through that court. So let me tell you what is the optimal way to do that. Okay. There's many different ways, but the best way to do it is that you're not going to cut that cord or you're going to leave the cord intact until at least the placenta has been naturally delivered. But there's such a thing as a lotus bird also that some people will promote. And these are kind of both of the extremes and the lotus bird, the cord is attached until it naturally separates from the baby. And that can be at three to 10 days for a lot of people that may be too much. Because a lot of women don't, you know, they do what's normal. They don't want, you know, grandma, you know, grandma and grandpa come over and see the cord and, you know, the placenta still attached. But you want to at least let that cord lay limp and it be clear and white and no longer pulsing. So anywhere one, two hours, six hours um, to when you naturally can see that all that fluid has moved out of the umbilical cord then you can remove the umbilical cord. And a lot of the times, you know, that's a fatherly duty. So if anything that I promote, I want the father completely involved in the whole situation. Um, so you can cut that. And then it's really good that you, you know, you don't allow the hospital wherever you're giving birth to uh, maintain your umbilical cord or your placenta because they're both, you know, streams of revenue for the birthing center, the hospital. So you want to retain that. And then one of the best things that you can do with it is you can you know, plant it in your yard and then plant a tree above it. And then you will have, as this tree grows, you know, it'll be part of your family and it's a place that you can come back and celebrate the birth and, and celebrate life and celebrate that uh, moment and honor the baby as they go through life. You know, um... I remember as a eight-year-old, my horse giving birth, Farinifa, um, 
And I do remember the umbilical cord being like there for a while. This is yeah. a 1971, maybe. Yeah, so 1971. So the question is, why are we doing one thing for our animals? Are they doing this with animals now? Because I mean, again, that was, you know, 40 plus years ago, the, 50 plus so the, years ago. <laughs> the veterinarians, the farm industry, the animal industry um, has seen, I would, I would trust a vet and a farmer who has animals that are giving birth far more than I would trust an OBGYN with giving birth because farmers have seen the value in the moment of giving birth with the health of their um, livestock, their animals. And there's not a single baby formula that is for sale in like a grocery store, you know, Walmart or Supercenter, anywhere where, where a normal person's gonna go buy baby formula that has about over 40 of, you know, vitamins, minerals, or nutrients in it. And there's not a single baby animal formula that is under 40 nutrients that goes out, you know, in general sale, not if somebody's specifically you know, buying it. Because the, the farmers and the livestock and the, in that industry and the vet industry has seen the benefits of that moment of birth. So they're doing everything correct on the family farms, but when their own kid gets delivered, they rely on the hospital and the hospital's creating the customer. Cause it's a program belief system. It's a program <laughs> belief system. You know, um, wow. Well, you, you see the look on my face, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just challenged, uh, trying to process just the sale of the umbilical cord alone and all the nutrients that were uh all the nutrients that were basically robbing the child of upon entering this world um so one last thing on this topic please <laughs> you know you're gonna have to run this show because i have luck sitting here in shock go ahead okay, so the birth of the placenta so this is the third stage of labor is the placenta, which is an organ uh, that has grown in your body you know, over these last nine months. You want to make sure that you're not forcing out the placenta after birth with drugs or any kind of intervention. So when you have a standard technological medical birth in the hospital, they're going to inject Pitocin, which is a synthetic uh, chemical that mocks, you know, mocks natural hormones. They're going to inject that into your leg often so that you get contractions and convulsions that are going to try to pop out that uh, placenta because they want you out of that bed as fast as possible because they need to turn over that bed because they have another customer, not patient, they have another customer coming in. So often if you have 100% you know, natural birth, vaginal birth with no intervention, why you're not paying attention, they'll come in and still inject pitocin into your leg to get that placenta out. 
So if you're making a birth plan and you're going to a hospital, that's one thing that you need to have on there that you don't want that Pitocin injecting your leg for the placenta to come out. And there's videos and there's a lot of evidence that uh, nurses are basically ripping the placenta out of the body. So um, because they're trying to speed things up because they're told that they need a turnover. So they're ripping an attached organ out of the birthing mother's body. And that's leading to all kinds of complications that then they make money, the medical system makes money on uh, later. So that's one thing. And then the second thing, well, the, the, the natural oxytocin, so the stimulus of the baby, you know, on the mother, chest to chest, all that stuff will release that placenta. But once that placenta is released, the other thing that I think is important that's very controversial is uh, I just want the viewers to know that personally, if you do not want to consume your placenta. So it's very trendy right now, but it's trendy because they're paying money to make you think that that's a good thing and it's not. So why would, what are they telling people the why it's good to consume the placenta because of the vitamin and nutrients? It's, it's uh, yeah, you look under it in a microscope, it has vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. What they don't show you is all the you know, toxic materials in there, but it's the same as why would you, I mean, you could have your tonsils removed, but you're not gonna consume them to- Well, it's you know, cannibalism. Get, it's cannibalism. Um, it's an organ, it has a place, and the place is not for you to eat it. If you're doing my program, which I have a, a course if you're doing my program and you're taking the supplements that I recommend, you're eating the foods that I recommend, you're doing the whole program, you're hydrated during your birth, at no point during your birth are you going to be deficient of any vitamins, minerals, nutrients, hormones, oxygen, anything that you would have to consume an organ that belongs to your baby, that was attached to your baby. Um, and when they do consume that, they you know take this bloody organ, they have to salt it, they have to treat it do all these things, they dry it and they encapsulate it. You don't know where those capsules are coming from. You don't know what powders they're using, what the process is. And there's standard midwives that are still promoting the encapsulation and the ingesting of the uh, placenta. And I would just recommend to all the viewers, you know, a lot of viewers are gonna say, I'm too old to have a baby, but everybody knows somebody that's gonna be pregnant. Well, and here's the thing. We haven't gotten to this yet. So we're talking about so far, you know, when you're giving birth, uh, the, the, the process, what's happening to the baby, um, how uh, that process impacts the baby for the next 18 years. You know, you talked about the head covering. Could you can you expand upon that just for a moment? Because I want people to start connecting the dots um, about how they're feeling today. Right. So, so yeah, let's uh, definitely jump into that. So when the baby, okay, so let me paint you a picture. You're, uh, you know, you're naturally delivering the baby. You have a, a doula, you have a midwife, you may be at home, you may be at a birth center, maybe a water birth, whatever it is, the father should be the first person, is what they say in the industry, to catch the baby. So the father should be the one, the first one to have his hands on the baby. He should receive the baby. He should, you know, look into the baby's eyes and then he should walk and then, you know, take two steps and then present the baby to the mother. And then the mother 
hugs, holds, cradles the baby. And in this process, everybody is as what they call skin to skin. So the father's completely shirtless. The mother's as naked as you can be, right? As naked as you can be. <laughs> so where you're touching the naked baby, the baby's skin needs to be touching the father's skin and now the mother's skin. And then the first thing that we want to do in this optimal hour is we want to connect all the five senses of the baby to the mom and dad. And then we want to connect all the five senses of the mom and dad to the baby. And the hospitals have been hijacked and they've been taught to disconnect those senses. So we say the hat on the head. The first thing in that natural birth process is that the mom's going to smell the pheromones that the baby's producing. And those pheromones are going to come off the top of the head. The top of the head should be right there under the mother's nose. So she's going to smell those pheromones. And that's a signal, a signature odor of the baby that signals to the mom that the baby has survived birth. And now the mom is to produce special hormones and activate the love neurobiology that creates a lifelong love bond between the mother and the baby. If you take a hat that's been washed in the hospital or you know at the place of manufacturing, if you take this hat that's been washed in all kinds of chemicals, it's uh, you know it's probably been had a dryer sheet on it that has some scent on it. Uh, it has a fungicide, probably has herbicide, it probably has a pesticide to protect it from shipping across the seas. Now you're putting that on the baby's head and the mom's just smelling chemicals and that pheromone is being blocked and you're simply cutting down one of the five senses and that's the sense of smell from the baby and the mom uh, speaking to each other using chemical signals. Okay, so we want to talk about connecting all the five senses um, and we just talked about the first one, which is the sense of smell. We're going to go to a quick commercial um, just because I need to breathe. <laughs> I need to breathe. Um, you know, anyways, I'm so grateful to have you here and to share with everyone um, this information. Um, you know, I'm always a student, so... Let me go to commercial real quick here um, and uh, we'll be right back. So if you're listening, please invite your friends. If you're listening on Podbean, invite your friends, Blog Talk, invite your friends, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, invite your friends because they need to hear this. Now, um, again, this is not only for you if you're planning to give birth, but we're going to talk about what the impact is to the baby, right? And how that may be impacting you today. And so there are ways that we can support you. All right. So, um, and here we go to our first commercial. <sighs> Hi, I'm Jody Susan, Susan Essential. I started Susan Essentials in 2015 because of a personal health journey. I was over-medicated and put on 19 different medications. And yes, I reversed all my chronic diseases using plant and energy-based healing. It was amazing. At Tucson Essentials, we support both consumers and businesses. And we do that with helping your employees or yourself with a food as medicine mindset. 
how Sushan Essentials supports businesses and consumers is we teach people about a food is medicine mindset. So we support people on how to support their own immune system, how to support their brain health, how to support their emotional well-being. And we do that all with plant and an energy-based healing. The Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Sell Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Beata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. So we are back with Tom Whitmire, uh, certified doula and uh, brilliant extraordinaire. <laughs> We're going to talk about the five senses um, uh, that we need to activate. Um, oh, and I, I, I uh, went into the Facebook group and let everybody know we are live now. So please join us. Um, we have a Facebook group, I think, with about a thousand people in that one just alone. So... Um, Talk to so the first one that they're trying to interfere with is their sense of smell. Um, that is a way for the mom and the baby to bond. Please go on. I just I'll I'll wrap that up by saying anybody at home may say, well, that may you know I'm I'm under the impression they put that hat on the baby because the baby's head is cold. The baby can regulate its own temperature. Um, the baby's head is not cold. It doesn't need a hat to maintain its temperature. The temperature is going to be maintained by the mom's 93, yeah. uh, you know, cheek on the head, the love coming, the, the, the hugging, the holding. The microcirculation. The, ex the expressing of, uh, you know, what is going on. So there's there's no you know there's no rebuttal to say oh that's for temperature regulation and warmth it's simply not true. Um, Thank you. While we're talking about those senses, uh, we talked about the skin to skin just briefly, but that also establishes a lifelong love bond, and then that's going to help with breast uh, milk production as well. Mm. Um, it's going to be the temperature regulation, but it also stimulates like endorphins, you know, which are the joy chemicals, the oxytocin, which is the love, and prolactin, which is the uh, signal for lactation. So what we're doing by holding the baby there is that we're signaling with those senses as well that, you know, within this hour time, you're going to want to, you know, search for the breast and to start to feed. But the thing that we did touch on is swaddling. So we want skin to skin. We don't want the baby automatically wrapped up in a blanket. And so many people are, can envision 
that white blanket with the you know the big blue stripes and the little skinny pink stripes on it mm -hmm. that come to be you know using standard in you know almost all hospitals. We don't want the baby wrapped up in that blanket immediately, which is what the hospital is going to try to do. Um, that's breaking the love bond. That's breaking you know the growth and the development. It's creating stress and abandonment. So the baby's been in the womb. It's been able to you know move around and adjust. It's actually adjusted itself and come out properly through the birth canal. Now the hospitals are wrapping that baby so tight in that blanket it can't move, and it's it you know it's sensing stress when that baby needs that skin to skin. I, okay, and so for those people, so I finally decided to ground myself. I used some frankincense essential oil and brought in that essence of trees to ground. So if you're getting triggered, you know, just ground and really receive this information because it's so important. You know, and what I think is important to note is that uh, because I feel like there's people on here um, and if they're not watching now, they will be later um, who are going to be giving birth shortly. And so if that's you, right, and you're planning on going to a hospital, I would, I'm going to ask you to pivot for a moment, you know, because I'm, I'm hearing. Um, what do they need to do? Um, I, I did meet somebody here in Georgia who's going to be giving birth, and I think that they're on now. So what can they do to pivot and get themselves someone in Georgia, unless do you fly out to Georgia or, you know? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say this. What do they need to do? Self-commercial break is uh, they can go to sproutstanding.com, mm -hmm. birth, and I actually have a course on there where what I'm briefly talking about today is all presented in a course book. There's, um, yeah, this is uh, my homepage. Then you click on birth, and this is a birth course. Um, so it's presented in colored photos. There's probably 700 different pages. All of it's very vivid. It takes you through, walks you through all these steps, how to create your birth plan, what you need to do for the supplements, the nutrition, uh, you know, how to create, you know, bring the father into it. So all that's at sproutstanding.com slash birth. And then that's a complete course. Um, I'm a certified doula. So after my name is CD, Tom Whitmire CD, that's for certified doula. But I'm more of a prenatal doula. So I will sit with you. I will take you through your nutrition, your food, your, you know, your meals, what to do, what not to do, how to detox, what to eat, what not to eat, supplements, which are good, which are bad the whole process, everything we've talked about from the five senses to the birth plan to optimal child. Uh, what I'm not going to do is I will not be in the birth room with you, you know, rubbing your back, massaging your shoulders. Uh, I will work with you to find a doula that will do that. And the definition of a doula mm -hmm. is simply just a birth coach. I think there would be a lot more popular if the word doula was changed and we just found a better word. They just simply meant a birth coach. So the light just went out in my uh, room. Oh, let's get that sock out. Yeah. I just threw a sock at the sensor to turn the light back on. That's hilarious. A birth coach is, is uh, taught how to, you know, how to teach you about birth. So you don't have to just read the first book that you were giving, you know, at, at a party. 
And then we will help you find a midwife. And a midwife is the people in the world that are trained to deliver a baby. And then that midwife and your doula and then myself will become a team of three. And then we will then, you can you know, do a home birth, you can do it at a birth center, or you can do it at a hospital. And then we will be your, you know, your source to, to speak to the other people that are going to be involved and have, help you advocate for the birth that you want and make those decisions. Do you want, you know, natural vaginal birth with no interventions and not medical? Um, so that's what I do. So you would reach out to me and then I would then help you find a doula in your area that matches your needs. And then the, we would then find you a midwife and then we could find you a birth center. Um, and then we would take it all the way through that process to helping you find a pediatrician that kind of, you know, uh, looks out for the best interests of your child, not who's looking out for their best interests and in their bottom line and their streams of income because they get commissions. So, uh, thank you. So if you are listening to this, um, and good morning, Chris, thank you for being here. Um, please share this knowledge, share the show now. Uh, if you are giving birth or have someone who, uh, is going to be giving birth, reach out to Tom, right? Go to sproutstanding.com. Um, forward slash birth. Um, and all of his uh, contact information is here, right? You can also dial him 305-771-1414. You know, this podcast is really not about promotion. And I'm telling you, if you're pregnant, call him. Okay, because this is about making sure that your child comes into the world in the most serene, safe, psychologically safe, and physically safe uh, place as possible. And if you're using the current medical system, um, that's not going to happen. It's not possible. It's not structured that way. And, um, you know, you, you can buy his course, you can call him. Do you do a free consult, like a 10 minute? Yeah, I have a, on the bottom of the page, there's a calendar that you can click on there and schedule a 15 minute, uh, you know, up to 15 minute introduction consultation to see if we you know, fit together. There you go. So let me see here. Yeah. Call, email, book now, 15 minute discovery call. So that's um, wonderful. And I will just say also, um, cause I'm going to pipe in with what I think is the most important thing in addition to what you're doing. And that is um, having a, um, a clean water supply, right? So no surprise, they have a baby up there. <laughs> and that was before you and I <laughs> chatted because it's frightening for me that people are unaware that there are so many toxins in your water and nobody, not nobody, most people are not connecting the dots 
to the chemicals in their water supply and the pain that they have, the anxiety, the stress, the emotional outbursts, you know, all of those things because they all impact your brain health and in your skin, right? Your largest organ. And so if you're bathing your baby in toxic water, that's not a good start. And I, I know so many people, like when they first have babies, they don't understand all these uh, diaper rashes and, you know, all these rashes that, that the baby's have, having, but no one's, we have a trust for the system that they're providing to us what is for our highest good. And it's not even close, right? And so what I offer um, takes out uh, 200 plus harsh chemicals and contaminants, including the VOCs, heavy metals, lead, pesticides, chloramines, you know, chlorine, fluoride, which is a neurotoxin, and of course the pharmaceuticals and herbicides. And then I explain here, you know, uh, what's going on, um, you know, how when you take toxins out, and you guys, here's the biggest like scam in the world. Um, everyone's like buying alkaline water and buying these expensive uh, machines, like $2,500 on up to create alkaline water. Well, uh, spoiler alert, all you have to do is take the toxins out and it becomes alkaline. <laughs> okay. And you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to do it. Really don't. You can do, I mean, both your shower and the tap for 300 bucks. So, I mean, you can get a whole house. Don't get me wrong. That's not, the, but that's not the purpose here. The purpose is for you to understand. And then, you know, when people purchase from me, the gift back is, is I run a frequency for you that removes all that toxicity and it's just for free, right? Like I'm just giving, if you're willing to invest in yourself, so am I, I'm going to invest in you too. So, um, and you know, uh, getting rid of these toxins, um, and having a healthy baby and having a healthy life is, is, uh, will bring serenity on a multitude of levels. Um, I mean, you're not running to the doctor all the time, right? You're not wondering, you know, you're not, uh, you're sleeping well. Of course, if you're spiritually awakening, you're not sleeping well at all. But you know, that's another, that's another show. So let's go back to the senses. We discussed the smell. You want to go with another sense? I want to stay underwater topic for just one more moment. Please. Um, because it is one of the most important things. And I think too many people, so, I mean, I have an audience, you have an audience, but we have a cross audience, mm -hmm. so let's speak to them. Too many people believe that their tap water is clean. They always, I hear people say, oh, no, that's the city next door that has that problem. We have our own water plant. Our system is clean. And it's simply not, and I don't think most people know that they can go to the environmental working groups. Well, that's what I'm just pulling up now. So EWG.org. It's already up. I'm showing, I'm going to show tap you in a water, second. Here. Yeah. The tap water database. Org slash tap water. You can put in your zip code there on that website and it will show you all of the chemicals that, uh, and, and heavy metals and pollutants that were in your last water test. And for my, I put my parents in there and they live next door to Flint and they have, they had like seven more 
you know, deadly toxins in their water than even Flint did, but Flint's on the news. Um, so right, and I can't seem to get them. They did something different with their website. org slash tap water. Yes, okay, so that's what I have to do because they made a change to their website and yeah. uh, it's and there. That's where you're gonna, there you go. That's where you're gonna, you know, wanna contact Jody and start buying her water treatment and water filters after you see what's actually in your water. Because what has happened is the government hasn't improved their water quality in years. You know, they're, all they do is they just take their standards and they say, we now allow this much plutonium, this much uranium, this much you know, aluminum, this much of all these chemicals. They just increase the number of chemicals that they allow in the water before you're alerted that there's a problem. They've never done anything to remove the chemicals. Right. And so I, I, I want to do a yes and sorry, because like, I love that you and I just said, boom, boom, boom. Right. So here's the thing. There's 10, this is in Cobb County where I live and there's 10 total contaminants in the water supply that exceed the EWG health guidelines. So, and when they say it, the, on your statement, your, your invoice, your monthly uh, water bill, oh, how they have met the um whatever the compliance is for that county or that's you know that city know that the regulations most of those cities the regulations have not been modified or updated in two decades okay like let that sink in and so then let me just take you here and i just wrote an article for this on the florida women's magazine and topeka health and wellness um, so if you uh, want to check out next month, it'll publish, it'll publish on October 1st, um, but I write for those two magazines. Um, and, you know, you, all these are um, impacting your health and your baby's health, and they all cause cancer, you know. And so, um, and then, of course, these are the ones, and there is no legal limit for this one, which I can't pronounce. Maybe you can. It's trichloroacetic acid. Um, it, it, it literally makes me speechless. Um, and then there's, you know, these are the 10 that exceed, but then there's 18 total contaminants. And when you start looking at that, it's got things, you know, of course, they've got fluoride and things like that in there. And um, fluoride is a neurotoxin, right? So, um, which means it's impacting your your nervous system, okay? Stress, anxiety, uh, panic attacks. And then how is that impacting your baby's development? And then the other thing, it's also calcifying your pineal gland. And so then how are you connecting to the divine? Answer, you're not. You're not. All right, so this is a great transition into breastfeeding. So we're Thank talking you. about water, which is what's you know running the human machine. Then we need to talk about breastfeeding and breast milk and how important that is for the baby. So I'm going to let the other senses go by. We can talk about those later. People can you know, learn about that, of course. And let's go ahead and jump into uh, breastfeeding. So when the baby's born, it goes through all those five senses. That's what triggers the baby to look for the moms. 
nipple, and then what we call in the industry as to latch. And then that first breast milk is called colostrum. And that is the perfect food for a baby ASAP. So that is a. What's it called again? Cholestrum. What's it called? Colostrum. Colostrum. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also will just say why the word colostrum is here that you don't want to take supplemental colostrum because that's just stolen from another baby. That that colostrum was intended for a baby. And wow. Colostrum, the colostrum is specifically made for that baby and that baby's needs. And that colostrum is going to seed the baby and feed the microbiome. So there's about 800 you know, plus beneficial bacteria, um, which we call probiotics or you know, the microbiome that are going to come from that initial colostrum into the baby. So also what's hold, coming in there. Hold on. Hold on. I want to pipe in. So I want to tie, tie this back to like my love language here, which is your brain. Okay. So um, if you're get there's two things. One, they need to get that, right? Because your gut health is just uh, directly connected to your brain health, okay? Brain-gut connection. Number two, if you're getting um, something that's made for another soul, another human, another physical body, um, that means it's like, well, let's go back to the one that's supposed supposed to be yours, right? <laughs> so it's like your designer nutritional supplement that you would pay big bucks for, but you can have it naturally, right? And so um, it's critical for the formation of those neurotransmitters for your baby's gut to get what it needs to support the microbiome and go. So colostrum that's coming from the original breast milk is what you just said. It establishes the microbiome. Mm -hmm. It also establishes the immune system. And it also is your initial. So the, the colostrum tells, you know, stimulates the start of your immune system and your antibodies. And your, the mother's nipple at that time of birth when they're in that optimal hour actually produces a pheromone that attracts the baby to breast call crawl. Yeah, 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 to the nipple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the babies, we're using all those five senses, but there's invisible smells that are going between the nipple and the baby's nose. That's why we need the baby's nose to not be blocked. So that it latches, the baby will latch in that optimal hour, one to two hours. And you lay there with, you're in the home, the birth center, the hospital, Nobody's allowed in except the mother, the father, and that baby. And then this, uh, the breast milk is what, you know, creates the growth, the cell growth, the nutrient absorption, all the anti-inflammatories, everything that they're trying to intervene your baby. You don't need them to intervene because it comes in the breast milk. They're not deficient of any vitamins. It's in the breast milk. They're not deficient of minerals, any of that stuff. Uh, this, you know, stem cells are being... Uh, exchanged as well. Okay, then, uh, I, I need to go on my rant about yeah. the deficient. So, yeah. you were born perfect, just saying. And um, we, uh, 
sorry, I'm emotional. So you're born perfect people and God made you in his image. And he didn't say like, go make a baby so I can fix it when it's born. Like that's not the message that God's giving you. And I know you're going to go there, but we don't need to boost the immune system with any carrot juice. Okay. And we don't need to change the body in any way. And we'll get there too. When we talk about circumcision. Okay. We don't need to change the human body. Why are we doing this? Think about this because we're getting there. And it, 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 um, I get very emotional when I think about what we're doing to our children. And if you're a Christ follower, and even if you're not, is that what God intended for you to fix whatever it is that you made? Maybe you're just perfect. And maybe it's a self-limiting belief system that you're not perfect. I'll let you go. Go ahead. Thank you. So I completely agree with you right there and what the intention of the human body for the human being to have optimal health throughout their entire life is that they're to feed on nothing but breast milk for a minimum of one year, but you can go up to two years. My sister did two years. In general, it's until your the teeth fully come in. So it's the teeth development that then transfers the enzymes from breaking down milk to being able to break down, you know, smooth, soft foods like uh, fruits. So those digestive enzymes will come in with the, the teeth. And then once the teeth come in, then it's a little bit more difficult for the mom, you know, to, to breastfeed with the nipple. But uh, the other main thing about breast milk is that it's around 94% sugar water. So the breast milk is almost all carbohydrates. It's 94%, you know, uh, carbohydrate water. It's no more than two to 4% protein, which on average it's about 1.5% protein. And it's about two to 4% uh, lipids or fats and uh, nucleotides, but it's gonna range, you know, two to 4% um, lipids. So it's 90, you know, 94, 96% uh, carbohydrate sugar water that is developing your baby. And that's where you're going to get all of that, you know, all the food, all the hydration, everything that builds a human being for two years. So it's important for the mom to be eating foods that are optimal, clean carbohydrates themselves. And some of those top foods are all fruits. And then you're looking at sweet potatoes, um, all potatoes, winter squashes, um, honey, maple syrup. Yeah, and honey, I just want to bring some two things. Honey is your immu you know, immunity. Uh, sweet potatoes, high in minerals. Go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> just, you know, kind of connect the dots for people, Dolly. The mom consumes these items and then feeds them back to the baby. The baby's not growing on cupcakes and chocolate cake and ice creams and, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs and all this stuff. Oh, I just had a baby. I can eat whatever I want. The baby needs optimal nutrition for it to grow 
and it, to defend itself and it to be optimal so that it doesn't cry in public, it doesn't keep you awake all night. Like what we're doing and why we're doing optimal birth is so that you can sleep soundly through the night because the baby sleeps soundly through the night. So if we go on the step of all the stuff that I'm talking about, we're releasing the stress that you're going to have to have as a parent and that the baby's going to have to suffer. And then those things are that optimal hour and then breastfeeding. And the breastfeeding as well is going to help mom with weight loss after, um, you know, after she gives birth. It's going to keep her out of going through depressions and keep the, help the uterus to heal. It's going to regulate her hormones for the next, you know, few months. But one of the coolest things that, uh, that is exciting and unknown and untalked about, about uh, breastfeeding is what's uh, become to known as spit back. So spit back. Okay, when spit the back. baby is breastfeeding, uh, it's sending a signal through the nipple there to the mom. The mom's body senses that, and then the mom's body creates a specific formula for the baby based on those daily needs, and then it immediately produces that and sends it to the baby, and the baby gets that through the breast milk. So it can bring in you know, killer white cells to fight sickness if there's a specific sickness, if there's a specific um, mineral deficiency, if there's a specific whatever it may be, the baby receives that through their mother. So the mother becomes their immune system or this breast milk producing factory that produces specialized breast milk that has a you know, perfect amino acid profile, vitamins, minerals, uh, nucleic acids, you know, all of that. So science-based nutrition. <laughs> I mean, that's what spit back is science-based nutrition, which was the first nutrition course I took, you know, can we need to go to commercial, but I want to, when we come back, I want to address Chris's question. Um, Chris is a new grandma. And so, uh, you know, I sense that there's, uh, you know, a good reason for this question. So let's go to a quick commercial. And um, and then we'll come and answer Chris's question. All right. So all right, aloha. Aloha. Um, we'll just do that. The Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday morning mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, self-sell care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, repairing broken families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, soulful solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, health and well-being with Viata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, success strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on relationships. Third Saturday, move around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. With a simple blood test and food plan, Susan Essentials will help your business, your family, and you eliminate toxins and create a step-by-step -step plan to nourish your mind, body, and spirit. Click here to learn more. 
Jody Susan of Susan Essentials is certified by the number one functional medicine doctor on plant-based healing essential oils, which are revolutionizing the way we manage our well-being. Schedule today to take control of your health. All right, so we are back. Um, yeah, so let's um, let Tom. Which one do you want to do first? You want to answer Chris's question? Do you want to? uh talk about why we should not use formula first what's what's best for you let's let's just stay with formula real quick because we need mm -hmm. to tie in the toxicity of the water um yes if you're if you've been convinced it's usually you're being convinced by your doctor because your doctor your pediatrician wants that baby off the breast milk as soon as possible because they need the doctor wants to become your baby's immune system. They don't want the breast milk to be your baby's immune system. So I've heard doctors that are telling women that they need to stop breastfeeding at six months. The women are completely capable of the breast milk, uh, of breastfeeding. It's part of their lifestyle. They're on a great path. They're, they're trying to go as long as possible. And the doctor will use such things as saying, we need to stop you on the breast milk because we need to get the father involved in the feeding. So we want you to start pumping so the father can start bottle feeding. And it is just- So wait, so talk to me about pumping. Are they not supposed to pump? I mean, uh, I don't know. No, we want them to breastfeed from the breast so they get that spit back, so they get the, the, the immunity at that moment. Got so it. Let's go, from, let's go from formula, then we'll go to pumping. Hold, so hold we, on, what if you're, because this is a real thing, what if you're a w working woman and you're going back to work? Okay, we'll go from pumping to, then to formula. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> we'll do pumping. So if, yeah, the problem is, is that the United States of America has the second worst maternity leave in the world. Number one is Papua New Guinea. Tell me where Papua New Guinea is, even is on a map. And the United States is number two for the benefits that the women get, the amount of time that they get. They want those women back at work as soon as possible so that they have to pay into the taxes and that the government can break that love bond that the woman would create by staying home and breastfeeding and, and caring for her child. They want the woman out of the house they want somebody else to take that responsibility, usually the pediatrician, and they want that tax benefit. So I would say try to stay home as long as possible. If you have to pump, the number one thing that you need to know about pumping is that when you pump in, the, let's say you pump in the morning before you're going to work, you need to label that breast milk as morning breast milk, and the baby needs to consume that breast milk in the morning. If you were to pump at night before you go to bed, you need to label that breast milk night breast milk, and the baby needs to consume that at night because the specific hormones and such for energy are being breastfed into that baby in the morning so that baby is awake and alert so that it has the energy it needs to feed, grow, development, develop, go through all of its processes while it's with the parent. And then the same thing at night, when the baby drinks the pumped breast milk from night nighttime, it's gonna signal the baby, okay, it's time to go to sleep. 
years old, vitamins, mineral nutrients. Because this makes complete sense. I mean, the hormones are signals. So we have to give the signal at the right time. Complete sense. Yeah. Women are feeding their babies pumped milk from the morning and then putting them to bed and wonder why they cry and why they're awake the whole day or vice versa. Oh, my baby won't feed, it won't do all this. But it's got the hormones that are making it sleepy. Okay, I'm going to pause us. People, if you're listening to this show now, I need you to share the show. Okay, share the show with people now because people, you know, um, everybody's got somebody who's having a baby or had one. Share the show so people can get this information. Go ahead, Tom. (laughs) I mean, people need to hear this. And then the other thing about, uh, you know, pumping is that uh, at no time... Do we need to be microwaving breast milk? Oh, gosh. You know, the, yes. the heating, the extreme heating and even the extreme cooling of the breast milk is going to lower its uh, potency. Well, so I mean, we you zap the minerals out every time of anything that you put in the microwave. Keep in mind, the microwave is radiation, right? So now you're radiating your child. Yeah. And the okay. pediatricians are are uh, promoting plastic bottles, you know, the, they got plastic lids or plastic nipples and the moms are putting the plastic in the microwave, microwaving the breast milk, leaching the plastic into the breast milk and then feeding the baby and then say, I don't know why the baby has this, this and this. And then they take it to the very same pediatrician that promoted, you know, that uh, chain of events to ask them, what do I do? And then the pediatrician usually just says, oh, we'll give the baby Tylenol. And no wonder why they have gut health issues, because those microplastics are getting into their intestinal tract, that poor little baby, right? And it's uh, creating havoc with their gut. And then, of course, their brain and they're irritable and anxious and sad and crying. I mean, let's create some happy babies here. Yeah. So this breastfeeding is creating, you know, this lifelong... um, love bond and then formula if you were to give your baby formula that just creates a lifelong suffering and sickness because the formula has it doesn't have vitamins in it it has synthetic vitamins synthetic vitamins are chemicals that are created in labs usually out of petroleum or coal tar that the government has said you can call folate folic acid Folic acid is not folate to the body. Folate the body can use. Folic acid is a toxic chemical that the body cannot use. But most pediatricians um, are telling the women, you know, to focus on on the folic acid. You need to get that. You don't need it. You need folate. Most formulas are created with the base ingredient is either soy, whey, um, some sort of condensed milk, or high fructose corn syrup. So when I'm saying the, the you know the breast milk's 94% sugar water, that you don't need soy or whey to be in your body. Those are um, you know toxic cow-based whey is a uh, you know dairy product is toxic to the baby. So the reason the baby has the phlegm and then you know within a few months it's going to have these mystery symptoms is from the formula. So you have the synthetic vitamins or or the air problem, right? So people are putting air tubes in their baby. Um, their ears because they get all these ear problems from all that. Um, yeah, yeah. 
you know? That's, and if you've got that and you've made that, you've had that lesson, you know, go see a chiropractor, okay? They'll adjust the baby and get things uh, flowing well. Let's address Chris's question. She says, what yes. about moms, what, moms whose milk isn't enough or dried up? In this instance, what would you recommend to induce breast milk production? And I wanna just answer something that I'm hearing from Spirit for this person that um, this uh, this mother is not drinking enough uh, toxic-free water. I'm hearing that yeah. right now. So go ahead, though. Go ahead and why why else would it be dried up? Um, because of because it needs carbohydrates. So what the first thing I would do is I would consume those foods. I would go back to specifically first thing in the morning, um, just doing fruit alone. And then what you don't want is you don't want fat coming in at the same time as fruit because you're creating what I call a daily diabetes. So the body's having trouble exchanging the fruit and converting it into the breast milk because there's so much fat in the bloodstream. So uh, that would be if you take fruit and you put, you know, I don't know, cream cheese on it, or if you even put nuts and seeds in it, whatever it may be, you just want specific you know, fruits without any fats. And then potatoes and sweet potatoes, you can steam those, but you don't want to add oil on them. So you're not putting olive oil on them. You're not putting, you know, the cream cheese. You're not eating them with bacon bits. Just specifically, you know, steamed potatoes, sweet potatoes, winter squash, like a uh, butternut squash. So specifically, I would eat, um, you know, red potato, Yukon gold potato, sweet potato, and butternut squash, just that. Like if you wanted to use like a, a tomato-based sauce or something with spices, uh, um, that's what you're going to do. And then I would do honey, maple syrup, coconut water as well. Um, if the What if about the, if they want like some sort of a butter on their potato? Can they use a ghee? Can they no, I would use, that's a fat. So you don't want any fat while you're consuming that carbohydrate because the the fat that you do need for the baby is already exists in that potato in that banana it's it's already in a perfect ratio of protein uh lipids nucleic acids okay um, vitamins minerals are already in those foods potato so but let's go with potato sweet potato banana so banana would probably be the number one food uh, as well that you would want to consume of the fruits that are readily available in the grocery store uh, the ones that aren't readily available, you would look at mango, um, papaya, but uh, the what do you think of, about watermelon for that? It's good, but it's a it's that's gonna help you with the amount of liquid that you have, so it's good, but the, the density of the banana is gonna help you more. Oh, yeah, the density, the mineral density, and the banana is phenomenal. Yeah. But what I what I am also looking from a spiritual uh. Uh, in psychological standpoint, um, and so I want to ask you relative to the child, though, is watermelon, one, of course, keeps you hydrated, is full of minerals, but then the other thing is it keeps you grounded. Yeah, watermelon's my favorite, like, melon. If I take melon, I put it in a category, and then I rank the melons. Watermelon's, you know, a 10 out of 10, followed by, like, a, a honey rock or a, you know, a, a cantaloupe that's ripe. They just have to be ripe, you know, ripe where they were. Picked. They don't have to be right to you. They just have to be picked right. You know, but the big field spot. So if it's yellow on the bottom, uh, 
um, then it's sat in the field long enough to produce that yellow feed, um, field spot. And that means that it's a ripe watermelon when you hit it. It's very solid. It's very dense. So thank you. I want to tell you something. Uh, I didn't know that. Okay. And, but every time I went to go pick out a watermelon, you know, I, I channel my food when I buy it. I channel my food when I eat it. What am I supposed to eat? Cause I'm just like anal retentive. So, uh, but every time I went to pick out a watermelon, they always had me pick out the ones that were yellow on the bottom. Yeah. It's hilarious. Thank you for validating that for me. I had yeah, no it's idea. Called a field spot. So yellow or orange. Uh, a field it's spot. Okay. If it's white, and, you know, it has no taste. Um, you want it to be dark, dark and dull, if you will. It means it's uh, ripe. If it's shiny, it's not ripe. There's a webbing that will produce, the watermelon will produce, that looks like, you know, spider veins. Mm -hmm. um, the larger the webbing, the more ripe and sweet it is. Okay. And then kind of like a uniform size. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Determines, you know, the, uh, that it's good and that it's ripe. Thank you for that. So now Vietta Robinson, who is our host uh, for Friday and Sunday, she says, grand rising beautiful souls and aloha. Um, if baby doesn't get mother's milk at birth, how does that affect the child's health later in life? Great question. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll loop into that by saying, uh, there's troubled breastfeeding expert organizations so I won't claim to have all the answers, but the IBCLC is a lactation consultant. You can consult them. Um, then there's like lactation support providers, and then there's postpartum doulas. Uh, so there's experts in um, you know lactation and breastfeeding that you can consult. I work with a specific lactation consultant. Um, if somebody's really having problems, then I would put you, you know, in touch with, with her. Uh, the, the breastfeeding is, is one of the most important aspects of birth. I mean, if you can, you can look at, you know, studies of people that are successful, you can look at successful athletes, you know, who, when you take, look at young people and you say, okay, this person developed their body developed faster than everybody else therefore they were bigger and stronger you know age 13 whatever i'm making up when they created sports therefore you know they ended up to be the quarterback because they were the leader and then they went on to be the captain and then you go back and you're like well what's the reason for that and you research it backwards and usually they were a vaginal birth and breastfed for the longest and that's what gave them uh an advantage when they were younger at athletics, at music, at academics. Um, they were stronger when everybody else was weaker at a younger age. And then that's where they had an affinity and then an advantage. And then everybody looked up to them that they became the leader. Usually it's because they were breastfed. And so that breastfeeding uh, plays into, you know, what your occupation becomes at later in life. It plays into, you know, your success or income levels. The whole thing can all be uh, cycled back to that optimal hour and the breastfeeding. So if you're not breastfeeding, you get what then? You get a less optimal child. 
Are so you also maybe indicating that it's impacting their emotional intelligence? Yeah. And the reason that I'm bringing you this message is because most people that are trained with this knowledge fear that if they say what I just said, that a, that a mother on the other end of this call will feel the emotional impact that their decisions in life may be the reason why their child is currently sick or their child has a mystery symptom or a chronic illness and they can't, they don't, they've been trained not to say that, they don't wanna say that and they're afraid that they may lose their certification or um, you know, their schooling or their hospital or their organization may not represent them because they're out there telling the truth and that truth may make somebody feel bad that shows a different path in life but I'm here not to put down somebody else's, you know, uh, decisions of the past, but I'm here to make sure that the next decisions, baby number two, grandchild number two, number one for some, uh, that you're using optimal information to make optimal decisions so that you have an optimal child. Well, right. And so, and even if you did make this mistake, I, I want to go into that. I'm going to take a minute here. Let's say, you you raised your child and you didn't breastfeed and you went to the hospital like i don't know 99 percent of the americans that they did you know like here's the thing throw yourself a grace card right you didn't know it was how you're programmed and so we're here to change the trajectory of our future and we can't change what occurred in the past but we certainly can heal what happened in the past right and so if you do have a child that's sick, actually on October 10th, I have two doctors on the show, uh, Dr. Bab and Dr. Cindy Howard, and we're going to be talking. Um, I know one of us, uh, the, the first, uh, Dr. Cindy's going to be talking about gut health. Um, and so, you know, we can repair the gut. I've done it, right? I've done it. I've done it for my clients. I've, my husband's done it. Um, a lot of us have done it, right? We all have gut health issues. The body is a master healing machine. So this is show is not an opportunity to make yourself wrong. Okay, we're here to enlighten you and give you the freedom of new choices. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and if you go to sproutstanding.com, which is my website, the, the base website is about, um, you know, healing from chronic illness, mystery symptoms, uh, you know, infections, what, what has come later in life. And uh, I decided I wanted to specialize also in birth because if we look at, you know, what, uh, what can actually change and impact the world, that is that, you know, nine months, you know, after conception and those next, you know, two, nine months to two years of breastfeeding, that's really what can uh, change the world. So if I did all the research and looked at, you know, the Federal Reserve Banks and the monetary policy, or if I looked at, you know, war and revolution or the, the government and the, the debts and, you know, invasions and, and all the stuff that all the conspiracy channels that go, you know, have gone around the world, you become an expert in those, but it won't impact you on a, a daily level, you know, all that research that you do into these conspiracy things. But what can impact you on the daily level daily is when you open that refrigerator, you know, and you see those foods in front of you uh, and those decisions that you make as a mother, 
that can impact your child and have lasting, um, you know, positive effects. And I really believe that you can throw all the money you want at, you know, reducing crime and reducing poverty and throw all the money you want at homelessness and throw all the money you want at, you know, medical establishment. And it's never going to change and make things better. The only thing that will make things better is this information right now being used on a global level. Like once we have, you know, babies that are brought into a, a you know, <clears throat> this world through loving conception of, you know, loving parents who have decided, okay, we're at this point in our lives. We now want to have a baby. I bring that baby into the world. You know, and we've, you know, detoxed their bodies for the last nine months. Now we're going to have, you know, make that bond. Now we're developing a baby. We're as husband and wife. We're going to create the best environment, toxic free. We're going to eat great. Now we're going to have this beautiful birth. We're going to have this optimal hour. We're going to breastfeed and we're going to, you know, feed our baby throughout life. Once we have multiple generations of that, and that's when we'll see. You know all these negative aspects in our society decline. Um, we're not, uh, you know, there's not a, a random murder that takes place and they say describe the victim. They're not saying, well, he was a vaginal birth from loving parents and he was breastfed his entire life. Like, that's not the people that are out there contributing the atrocities in life. Wow. So, I just got a note um, from Naima Latif, our executive um, producer, and she's in Korea right now. Are you with me? So she's in Korea right now. And so um, she's going to air this in Korea. We're going to, um, she's going to share this show. Uh, so I'm going to send her a link. I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work, but I'm going to send her a link so she can uh, air this show in Korea with all the journalists and reporters. So all right, I need a 15 second break. Go for it. Go for it. So um while uh tom is on break <clears throat> or on pause i hate using the word break um i invite you to share the show with others and i know i'm being pushy about it but i'm very um very passionate about this topic because like tom said you know this is the um this is the foundation uh, this is the foundation for the health, not only of your baby, but of all babies. And then, of course, uh, the trajectory of our comp of our of our world. Let me bring him back in. Hi, Tom. And so Aloha. what I was what I was saying, thank you. Aloha was that this is so critically important because it um, this is creates a foundation for health for not only the child, the family and then, of course, uh, your city your your state your country and then the world and we you know we have you know we have to be the change that we want to see and we have to start having the lose the fear and start sharing this information share this show of any show share this show this is the, i mean this is the most important show i think that i've ever done um i i um it's it's critical so uh naima you have the link so i sent it to you i don't know if i was needed to send it in an email i sent it in a text so i'm actually just going to send it in an email as well just in case you need it there um and i'm sending it to your yahoo address so okay so we're gonna see how this works you know um 
always a new day here. Um, so where do we want to go from here? So we, we talked about, um, you know, I do have a question because uh, it goes against my understanding of things. And, you know, I'm always a student. So you said uh, the cholesterol um, that they're getting um, through the breast milk, of course, uh, supports with the gut health. And then you said the breast milk is 94% sugar, 2% protein, 2% fats. And so when I think about a healthy brain, I think about having the right fats, right, for that brain because, um, you know, we need that fat to offset things like dementia, Alzheimer's, and, you know, like that. So can you um, help me understand this, you know, yeah. these notes that I took about that? Okay, so the fat is what runs our brain has become like a trend in the, in the myth that a lot of people are just repeating. Um, the brain is built with carbohydrates, so it runs with carbohydrates, like brains are sweet, if you will, if you, you know. Well, we absolutely need sugar for our brain. I mean, I don't want to, it's a type of sugar, yeah. The the brain runs on sugar. The lipids, so the fats or the lipids in your brain are there as more as insulation. They're not really a fuel as they are like an insulation and a temperature regulation and to really insulate those nerves. It's not that you're burning fat in your brain as you're, as a process, as like if you're thinking and you're you know, doing a podcast, you're not burning fat, you're burning um, carbohydrates. So if I'm going into a podcast and I want my brain fired up, then I'm not eating fatty foods, I'm eating dates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high sugar, uh, immediate um, glycose and glucogen, glycogen, glucose and glycogen to the brain. So your brain's going to be storing that uh, glycogen. It's not storing the uh, fat. The, well, I, I, I had the, this. <laughs> this is upgrade. And it actually yeah. puts, uh, um, it, it increases blood flow to the prefrontal cortex of the brain. So, and it's not a stimulant. So what has happened is that people have been fatting themselves Mm -hmm. to death. So what happened is when they did all these series of autopsies on standard standard American uh, brains during autopsies, they were finding all these fat deposits and they said, oh, this must be you know, this must be normal, this must be a fuel, this must be what the brain runs on. But that the fatty brain is like a fatty liver. So your liver, you know, gets yellow. Yeah, you fat need balance. Yeah, you need balance. And it's also the source of your yeah. fat. We're not looking for KFC people. If it gets like wedged in there and then you do an autopsy and you see fatty liver, it's not like, oh, your liver needed to store that fat. It's like it having an abundance of bad, you know, fat that it had to put somewhere. So that's where it's coming. So the, the baby's growing on, you know, fruits and vegetables and carbohydrates, and it's not growing on hot dogs and hamburgers and bacon, like uh, so many mothers want to uh, consume. Mm-hmm. And when you go to your pediatrician or you go to your OBGYN for these consultations, you're a customer. 
um, and the salesman doesn't want to upset you. And the number one way to upset a customer is to take away their addictions. So your salesman is never going to take away your addiction. And the number one addiction in America right now is excess adrenaline. So people are addicted to stuff that gives them these small little adrenaline hits. Mm -hmm. And those adrenaline hits wear down your battery. So each time that you consume something that puts you in the fight, flight, or freeze, that's a, a human element that's- It'll in, blow out your adrenal glands that sit on your kidneys yeah. all day long, right? So you're meant to go through that, you know, once a week, once a month. It's not supposed to be every single meal that you eat something that you're, you have to release adrenaline so that it can calm it down so that it doesn't, you know, kill the body, the organ, the brain, or rapidly injure it. So women are being encouraged to drink coffee, which coffee is one of the worst things that you can uh, do for, you know, fertility. It's the cause, it's a cause of infertility. It's horrible why you're uh, pregnant and it's horrible why you're breastfeeding. But I would tell you, if you went to a hospital, there's not a single pediatrician or OBGYN that's going to tell a woman that she needs a hundred percent be off coffee because the, the woman will find another doctor. Well, my friend's doctor says she can drink coffee and they will go to another expert as opposed to remove the addiction from their life. And I'm saying this because I'm building up to our crescendo of talking about infertility. Okay. Before we do that, I want to give people a solution. Cause that's who I am. Right. So, uh, so if you can't have coffee, which I have not drank coffee in, I don't know, probably 12 years. I mean, I may have had a sip. I don't know. Um, this is what I, um, I use. It's Ticino. It's made with dandelions. It's caffeine free, acid free, natural energy boost. It has a prebiotic in it. So again, really good for your gut health. And so, uh, and they recently came out with um, um, versions that have like lemon balm, lion's mane, you know, different um, uh, um, different uh, mushrooms, and 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 the chocolate one is out of this world. I like, I was like so in my happy place, and I just want to say this, you know. Um, this allows you to have the taste of coffee and then you get nutrients and nutrients are supposed to give you the boost without the crash. What would life look like for you if you had a boost without the crash? That's all I'm saying. And go. I, I will say, so I did my health education uh, certification at Hippocrates Health Institute in West Palm Beach. Love it. And that's an on-campus, you know, live on campus, um, 24 hours a day, the class classroom. So you're, you know, you're interacting with people that have the worst diseases in the world when they get there, and then you see them without them in the end. And they uh, offered that Tashino, the same product that you have there. They offer that. Um, I think you know people really like the lemon balm. So lemon balm is great safe. for your brain health. For fertility, it's safe for pregnancy and safe for uh, 
breastfeeding, and it's one of the uh, strongest herbs. Uh, it also goes by the word Melissa, so it doesn't. It's yeah. not based on lemon. It doesn't taste right. by lemon. It's also Melissa. Well, um, and it's and really then, so, yeah, superb for your great. brain health. And I am a brain health professional, and so. Um, I really focus on what are the things that are going to support the brain? Why? Well, because the brain is your executive center and it controls every organ tissue and cell in your body. So whatever, you know, supports your brain, I'm like, do that. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah. So what, where are we going next? Sorry. Cause I'm letting you, I'm kind of letting you leave, but I'm interfering. Like building on infertility. Yes. What is the cause of infertility? Why are so many women, um, and, and you can't place the blame on the woman. We, so much of the blame for infertility is placed on the woman and none of it placed on, you know, usually not placed on the man. So anything that I say we're going to be addressing as a couple, as a couple um, whether, whether I make that specific analogy or not. Um, so infertility, you know, fertility, why are so many people having to go to a fertility doctor or fertility clinic? Why are so many people, you know, being told they have to do some sort of IVF? Um, you know, why are there so many test tube babies? Um, really, what we're looking at is that we're looking at an epidemic of people not <laughs> of not telling the truth. So when you go to these clinics, um, they're not saying, you know why like let's address why you're why you're infertile let's detox um they're just simply saying okay well we have a stream of revenue that's usually you know minimum forty thousand dollars let's get you into the system so that you progress through this chain of misery that may result with the baby you know but for most women it's a miserable and they don't talk about the injections at night and all the misery that they go through um I'll, I'll touch on a, a couple of the infertility reasons. Um, mainly, it's birth control. So if you want to take something that's going to completely damage a woman's body for life, it would be birth control. So birth control isn't out there, you know, stopping acne. Acne is not a you know, birth control. It's not a lack of birth control. Because so many women are being put on birth control pills not for, because they're having unprotected sex, but because of acne or some skin issues. Or, or, or because they have heavy periods, which is what they did to me. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to have to interrupt. I have a question, and um, no is okay, but if we're able to stay, I, do, I typically don't do this, and I've actually never done this, but if you can stay on extra because we're going to be, uh, um, one, there's more to cover, and it's so important, and we have some uh people from, from uh, journalists from Zambia coming in um, uh, momentarily. And I want, I, I want you to keep sharing. And I also need to share this story because I think it is going to make a huge impact. Uh, do you have time to stay? I do have time. Good. God bless. Okay. So I want to share this story. And um, last night, I'm just going to say, um, I was getting ready to go to bed. And my computer was, um, look, I, I'm doing a lot of video stuff, so the computer was getting overwhelmed. And so I started deleting things, right? And, you know, it's always a God job with me. And I'm, I'm just going to share what I found. What, I didn't delete this one. Um, and um, so 
this is a letter that I wrote to my doctor. And why am I bringing this up? Well, because I'm bringing this up because, um, and I'm going to bring on Naima in a minute here. So uh, Naima, we're we're, uh, going to talk about this story real quick. So as people know, I was misdiagnosed and over-medicated on 19 different medications and basically left for dead. And I wrote, after I reclaimed my health, this letter to my doctor was written in 2016. And um, I started crying last night because if you look at number four, it said, by 2007, I had incontinence. When I would sleep, my brain literally would shut off and I could no longer communicate with the rest of my body. And when I told you, this is my doctor, when I told you this, you laughed. And you said, you said, well, you know, you should wake up before you go to the bathroom. You know, my bed was soaking wet, yeah, soaking wet. And, and so, and when, and then four years later, I had such, um, huge, um, I, I had such, um, bad periods that they went and removed all my organs. And um, the reason they removed my organs, all my female organs, was because of those drugs that they put me on. I had tumors and the tumors were black and filled with brown pus. And we're killing our children. I don't normally do this, I'm sorry. No, you're completely right. They were killing their children in the name of what? And they almost killed me. And so I found this letter last night on accident or God job. I don't know which. God job. To remind me, because I've kind of defended this doctor. Oh, he was trying to do the best thing. He really wasn't. And it was really difficult for me to, to get with the fact that he every clinical trial he put me on, which was 10 of them, he got $10,000 for it. And I saw it because I, I went to grad school with a lot of people from the pharmaceutical industry and they showed me where to find that information. So I saw it with my own eyes, his clinical trial, right? And so, and how much he got paid. And he thought it was funny that I'm peeing myself in bed. Like, that's funny. I would just get up. And then of course I had, I could have children. And I couldn't have children because he destroyed my insights. And I take full responsibility for taking the drugs per his direction, but I trusted him. And I'm here to tell you to stop trusting people and, and, and think for yourself. Don't do what I did. Okay, so that's 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 that. I agree. There's so many people that are making profit-driven uh, decisions and they take no welfare for uh, what you know the medical system calls their patients. And I think they call them their patients because they have to patiently wait for years as the medical system never finds them a solution or an answer. So we have a great medical system when it comes to emergencies. Um, you know, car accident, emergency surgeries, and that sort of thing is far beyond uh, what it's ever been. But the rest of the medical system is completely flawed. It's just become you know, uh, a profit, it, it is the, it's probably, you know, the number one industry in 
uh, North America, you know, or in America right now, they've outsourced everything else except creating sickness and then trying to prevent a solution and then delaying it. And so many uh, women, it's been especially women, that the doctor has no problem placing the blame on the woman. They always say it's the woman's fault. They are less likely to do that to a man, but to a woman, they will say, you know, place the blame on you. You're making this story up. You're looking for attention. You're looking for whatever it may be. Um, they'll place it on the woman, or it's your body is attacking itself, or it's your genetics, or you're just not. Oh, married. yeah. And that's the other thing the genetics of my mom had ovarian cancer, which is why I agreed to go under the knife to get rid of my ovaries after she died. Um, it's not genetics. I'm sorry. sorry. It's your environment and what you're feeding your body. Let me yeah. welcome. Uh, is this Betty or Monica? Uh, uh, this, this is Monica Mayuni, and this is Ah Coma. And I'm so I'm so glad that addressing this, Jody. You know, we're here in South uh, Korea at the Peace Summit of the. Heavenly Culture, World Peace, Restoration of Light Organization, HWPL. And today we went to a very powerful women's conference. And with women all over the world, we're addressing some of the challenges that we face with neglect and having to overcome some of these issues that you've raised. And these two women are journalists. And so they report on things, report on the news. And of course, all of us as women have face doctors that dismiss us, um, don't treat us as if our our health issues are concerned. So this is very powerful what you're doing and exposing what happened to you because it's such a, a common story. And what we're seeking to do in changing the mindset of the global community is to create more respect for women. And so your story just points out importance of this what happens when people don't care that we have health needs and the doctors aren't treating us well so i'm going to let monica mayuni and betty kukoma tell us a bit about their story what they do as journalists in zambia and you know what what is the what is the health situation with women there do you find uh, that women tend to not be heard and are there some crisis situations that you all have addressed and maybe even exposed as journalists? Yeah, I think, um, you know, many other times when uh, women are not heard, I think uh, it's uh, a universal problem. When women are trying to like, you know, to talk about certain challenges, even health challenges that they are facing, they are not taken seriously. Um, and this is one of the things that uh, I think should be addressed adequately. You know, when you talk about health issues, I think she was trying to highlight what she experienced. And in Zambia, it's the similar issue. When you talk about, for instance, issues of fertility, mm -hmm. let me go to that issue. Um, in our culture as Africans, most of the time when you are unable to conceive, they, they would put the blame on a woman, mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, she's the one who has a problem. They don't want to blame a man. And um, these are some of the things uh, that really need to change because a problem may be with a woman, yes, 
Sometimes it might be with the woman, sometimes it might be with the man. So it is very important that even as you go to the to the hospital, for instance, if you're having challenges in conceiving, the doctor should look at both, but usually they suspect before they even examine you, they suspect it's you, a woman who's having a problem. They try to examine you, uh, you know, uh, do all sorts of tests on you to to ensure that you know you are you are perfect before they get to a man. Mm. So these are some of um, uh, you know the major challenges that women uh, do face. But there are other other many many challenges that uh, uh, women face. Maybe I can come to that a little later. Yes, yeah, depending on on the question that you ask. Yes, but what has been your experience, your observation? I think basically, just adding on what Monica's already mentioned, we talk about ignorance, mm -hmm. uh, the issue of uh, looking at Africa and how many women obviously are illiterate about issues to do with their bodies. It's all in the hands of a doctor who understands the concept of how your body works and obviously what you're going through every time you, are, you have complications in your body. An example I just want to probably give out is um, a girl child when they reach menstruation. The aspect of really having that free conversation with, uh, you know, their family, could be their mother or anybody that they're close to, really becomes a very big challenge because it's it's mostly considered as a taboo for you to be able to mention such things to your mother or to mention such things to someone who's very close to you. And in the end, they become more vulnerable to, to men who actually come to show some sort of like love to them. And in the end, that becomes now the challenge they begin to face where even if a woman is being abused, they will still stick to that marriage. Whatever blessings are given, it becomes like part of them. Mental issues also begin to actually come in in the picture because it's the aspect of we're not really talking so deep about these issues. We're just really touching the top, the surface of the issues. So if we can get to the root cause of really, you know, empowering women to a point where they begin to understand who they are. If I have a problem and I know for sure to say there's this problem, probably I'm not conceiving or maybe partner wants me to have a child or we want to have a child and we, we've taken a bit of time, it could be, it's not even maybe a problem that I have, but it's, it's, it's the process that we're in. It should be both of us that should be cancelled. Because even in the marriage setup, when you look at how the foundations of marriage are, if a woman is the one that is more concentrated than a man. So in your home, such problems come about because a woman is picked as as the source of every, every problem. Mm, yeah. The man is picked as the source of, of what? I'm sorry. Said the woman is the one that's picked yeah. as the source of the problem. The, the woman is always blamed. Oh, what are you doing wrong? You know, and and, and, and so I would assert yeah. though, perspective. You know, I yeah. think in our culture, male we, 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 we are we are trying our level best to get exposed to a lot of things. Some of us, yes, are enlightened on a number of issues, but we have the majority of the people that are not enlightened. They don't even know their rights. And just in addition to what she said, you know. We are also talking about a girl child, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, before you become of age, before you're 16, before you're 15, you know, you have uh, these sexual feelings. Um, mm -hmm. Many girls in our society are not free to discuss uh, such things with uh, their parents mm -hmm. about their feelings, about what they intend to do. For instance, if she's at school, she sees her friends with, um, with, with a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And she's wondering, should I also go in a relationship or not? She doesn't have anybody to ask. And unfortunately, some parents are, are still ancient, ancient in that they don't want to open up with their children. So their children end up making, you know, silly, silly mistakes like, you know, uh, 
just because they've seen a, a friend having a boyfriend, they would also want to do it without even asking on what precautions you know mm -hmm. they must undertake in that particular relationship when maybe uh, they go pregnant because of unprotected sex mm -hmm. maybe when um, uh, maybe they they get infected with hiv or any other sti that's when you know the parents come in to ask how how did, how did this happen pregnant? how did this happen you know it is too late we are better off uh, preventing the problems than being reactive uh, I think uh, these are some of the things that we really need to address. I know we have a lot of um, um, non-governmental organizations, the civil society, trying to sensitize the people, but still, it is still there. I don't know how best, you know, this can be uprooted from, from our culture. Uh, there are just a few of us, maybe me, because I'm a journalist and uh, I'm, I'm exposed I'm able to talk to my children about anything, but you go to most of these homes, even our close relatives, you know, you're even afraid to talk to their children because the moment you talk to them, they'll be like, oh, what are you doing? You, you, you want to spoil my child and all that. There's, we really have a lot of work as, as journalists. We have a lot of work as, you know, African, yes. uh, Africans to educate each other so that we are on the same way. As it yeah. is, we are not at that mm -hmm. as far as information flow is concerned. Yeah. Now what what is the, the news agency that you work with? Um, I'm working for Sandra Daily Mail. I'm working for Sandra Daily Mail. That is uh, one of the, the, the national newspapers. Uh, and what is the uh, news organization? I work for Radio Christian Voice. Radio Christian Voice. So I mean it's an opportunity to, to use your platform to be able to educate. Yeah. But now what is the, the literacy situation with women? I know in a lot of countries, you know, girls doesn't are discouraged from even going to school in higher education and that makes them vulnerable to you know, abuse what would have you experienced or you know observed in terms of education um i think for me when it comes to policies we are there we've, we've really come up with all these ideas to say we want to see a change in a certain in a certain area we've even projected the time frames that we have like zambia signed a lot of treaties if we are sure and we look at we are even amazed we are part of this um peace summit to talk about some of the you know milestones that we've achieved as a country but when we come to certain areas of um, of these issues practically we're still very far it's like it's 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 one thing to actually talk about something and project when you want to achieve it and another thing to begin to work on it speedily to ensure that you actually deal with it you know i am less so what we're trying to actually do as the media now is to begin to bring these political leaders bring in auto leaders really to begin to give us the answers to the questions and even just the community itself i think it's not the time for us to begin to do the blame game it's high time for us to begin to find solutions together so well right so the, the blaming isn't working and we need to go like i like to exchange the word blame with the word lesson right mm -hmm. so if we can start using the word lesson and you know, stop imprinting people with blame and shame, yes. then people will have more freedom to speak up and share the lesson. I know that Tom had a question for you. Um, so uh, let me just give Tom the floor for a moment. I wanted to add to the uh, and for, And let me just say that, uh, thank you though, ladies for being here. Let me also yeah, and thank you so much for giving them an opportunity to expose the, the work we need to do in sensitizing the situation with women's health. Yeah, I think, uh, ladies, what I've seen from my understanding 
is that the, the, the role of the grandmother has really been taken away from families. So when we see that that daughter has all these questions, she's most likely not gonna go to her parents, but she used to go to her grandmother and her grandmother or you know someone that she or somebody that she saw as the medicine woman that kept the family knowledge and family secrets and used to have these you know these uh, these natural answers to what was going on in the family and what really you know that woman going to the grandmother grandma saying this is what you can use for you know natural conception this is you know how your cycle works it's you know there's five days here eight days there uh, these are your options that's really been replaced by, uh, you know, what I hear from you by some sort of American Medical Association that is coming into other countries and they're saying, listen, if you want our money, then you have to, you know, take our medical system um, and you have to take our you know, economic policy and you have to take our policies and then we're going to shove our stuff down your throat. You had a culture where you already had a system in place and where that was being addressed, and that was being addressed by that grandmotherly loving, you can come to me uh, for understanding and I won't tell your parents. Now that daughter sees that role being replaced and her family is no longer the answers to her, and now she has to go to some person that's wearing a white jacket and they're giving the authority uh, of the entire family over to this medical system just because this person is portrayed as, you know, having the answers. And these people come as authority and they provide no answers. They, they're not bringing, you know, Zambia answers on the medical issues, the economic issues, the infrastructure issues. They just see it as a, a band-aid why they, why they, you know, take resources away. Yes. Maybe um, I can add one more thing uh, to uh, women issues you know we are taught that uh, before a woman conceives she has to take care of herself uh, in so many ways but uh, we have a situation where most of these women conceive before they are ready like their bodies are ready by the 13 yes and uh, during the time that they are uh, pregnant you know they are neglected usually by their spouses and this is another problem just i think last week we had our minister of uh, health um, Sylvia Masebo announcing that uh, Zambia is likely not to attain um, uh, the sustainable um, goal number two, um, SDG number two, on um, um, number three, I think number two, preventing um, um, preventing hunger by 2030. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, because of stunting, we have uh, a lot of children uh, that are stunted. And uh, this is another problem. It only it only goes to show that uh, you know we have a lot of women that are not properly prepared before they get pregnant. During pregnancy, they are not uh, they are not really taken good care of, and during the time that the children are born, they are not taken good care of because if all things were done in an ideal situation, we are not supposed to have such type type of problems. That's true. Yeah, so that goes to show that you know we have a lot of women with a number of challenges. But for me, before I conceive, definitely I would I would know what to do so that I have a healthy child. And during the time that the baby is born, I would make sure that you know all the necessary things are done for the betterment of so are the babies born in hospitals out there or are they born in the home how are they doing 
usually they are born in health facilities. They are born in health facilities. Unfortunately, you know, the health workers uh, do not have like um, uh, a direct, uh, they, 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 they can't do anything uh, most of the time. They can only give advice. They can just go as far as giving advice. They cannot provide the necessary food that is needed for that woman to have a healthy baby. Or they give her those, um, the, the, you know, the iron tablets, the folic acid, and it ends there. The rest of the things the woman has to do herself and her family, uh, she has to ensure that she she takes the, the, the balanced diet. That is not the responsibility of the health worker. So no, it's I interesting. So at the beginning I, of the show, we were sharing about, so, you know, uh, Tom is a certified doula. Uh, prenatal birth coach and pregnancy advisor. And so, um, you know, we were talking about all those things that contribute to a healthy child. And it obviously it starts with the mom uh, and what she's putting into her body, right? And, um, and, and also, of course, we were speaking about our water supply, which I'm sure is an issue there as well. Yeah and the <clears throat> toxic levels uh, from all the pollution and, um, and whatnot. Um, you know, something that I would like to uh, touch on, because I don't know if they're still doing this in Zambia or not, but you know, and, and we certainly do it here in the United States, we mutilate our children when they're born, right? Um, I, in the United States, we're mutilating the men we're circumcising them. And are we still mutilating women in Zambia? No, uh, that is not a big problem in Zambia. We don't have genital mutilation in Zambia. I think it's only common in East Africa, in particular Tanzania. That is where that practice it's, is. Okay, yeah, and I, you know, I don't no, know, but I, I just know it exists, yeah. No, 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 that is mm, And so I think that I, it's also important, I, I, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe the high poverty levels, that is what is contributing to that high poverty levels, high illiterate levels. In as much as we know that recently the government introduced good policies um, uh, to to ensure that many people enroll for, for education, uh, that is a year ago, not so. Uh, yeah, we now have more people going to school, but uh, generally uh, the number of uh, illiterates, the, the percentage of illiterate levels is quite high. That is one of them, and uh, the poverty levels also, uh, they are high. So it could be, uh, that is my assumption, it could be one of the reasons why we have uh, a lot of women uh, having uh, stunted children. Mm, yeah. When you say stunted children, you mean children that... that they, they, yeah, like... No, no, no. What I mean is, you know, these children, for instance, somebody's five years old, they look like maybe they're six months old. Oh. Not really... More like malnutrition, but these are able to survive, but they look younger than their age. They are stunted. Oh. No, Tom, do you want to speak to that? Is that something you're comfortable speaking about? What I I will take one of the words that you said when you were just giving a couple of examples and you said, you know, iron supplements or you know, iron tablets. Um, most iron tablets are simply just ferrous iron, which is just metal. So they, 99% of iron that is given to a pregnant woman is just metal. You can pick it up. If you were to ground that tablet, you could pick it up with a magnet 
because they're using the lowest source of iron they can, and it becomes a toxic, heavy metal in the body, and it rusts in the body, and it causes brain damage and neurological symptoms. So iron that our body actually... Wow. <laughs> I'm scared. That is yeah. no, no. So don't be scared yet. I'll scare you. Hold on a second. What the he said, yeah, the body ahead. actually needs has to come in soil, and then the soil bacteria and fungi work with the plant to create it into something that then the plant takes up. Then that becomes bioavailable. So if your iron supplement isn't coming from a plant like spinach or something that's mm -hmm. high in iron. And they're just using ferrous iron, which is most of the products, probably 96 to 99%. Mm. Then the baby's being born with toxic heavy metal poisoning that can have immediate impacts on their education levels. And I'd be willing to bet that those prenatal vitamins that they're being, being given as well are just chemical synthetic versions. So the baby would need folate, but most of the time they're given folic acid. Um, the baby would need, you know, vitamin C, but they would be giving ascorbic acid just because it's cheap. Uh, the baby would need methylcobalamin, uh, you know, that's activated. They're getting uh, cyanocobalamin, which is from cyanide. So the, the babies are being poisoned with their prenatal vitamins. Um, most of the time they're not being naturally birthed. They have some sort of, you know, fetal heart monitor, there's Pitocin or there's some, you know, intervention or forceps that are pulling that baby. They're being immediately taken away from the mothers. They say we need to do tests, but the tests are just, they're, you know, rubbing the vernix, the solution supposed to be on the baby. They're holding the babies upside down. Sometimes they're still smacking babies. They're injecting stuff up their noses to get the fluids out. Like they're, intervening to create separation between the mother and the baby and, and just for you ladies to know when that happens when you separate the mom and baby immediately after birth the baby doesn't produce the hormones and the feeling of love it thinks that the mom died during birth and it starts to go through a grieving process so the baby's actually in mourning and then the mom can't smell the baby, can't hear the baby, can't see the baby. There's no pheromones. Then the mom's body will start to go through.